Imagine you live your life in total darkness. You're blind. You have no concept of red, green, orange, yellow. You've never seen trees, the ocean, the mountains. You've never seen the faces of the people you love and cherish, your family, your friends. You're dependent on others, even for simple tasks. Imagine you're blind, but you live in the first century. No social services to depend on or tap into. Every day, someone brings you out to your usual spot where you will spend the day begging, depending on the compassion of others for a few coins to make it yet another day. You're alone. You live in darkness. And there's no hope. What if I told you that this morning, there may be some of us here that are living in darkness. There may be some of us here that are living in darkness without the light of Christ. And without the light of Christ, there are answers, soul-level questions that you simply do not have answers to. Answers of identity, answer, questions of identity, questions of purpose, questions of meaning of life that you cannot answer unless you have the light of Christ. You are spiritually blind. But this morning, we will discover that it's not until you recognize Jesus as the Son of God that He will be the light of your life. Why? Because Jesus is the light of the world. Amen? That's me. I'm the middle school pastor and a bunch of other stuff. Um, and it's my privilege to share God's word with you. And that is Hilke Hilkma. I'll pronounce it for you. We're in our I Am series. It's been said throughout the series that the best way to get to know someone is to listen to them. Listen to the words they speak to get an idea of who they are, what they're about. There's probably no greater person to do this with or this applies to than the person of Jesus Christ. So that's what we're doing in this series. We're listening to the words of Jesus. What does he say? What does he do? What does that tell us about who he is? This morning, we want to, uh, we want to dive into an incredible story. A story of paradox. We will encounter a blind man who will see, but we'll also encounter perfectly seeing people who are absolutely blind. They are spiritually blind. We will encounter moments of rejection and pain, but also moments of love and compassion. It's a story that can challenge every single person in this room. And our story is found in John chapter 9. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, we'll dive right in. John chapter 9, verse 1 is where we'll start. And we're going to listen in on a conversation between Jesus and his disciples. He says this, as he, Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? 
Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Let's pause right there. I am the light of the world. This is not the first time he spoke these words. In fact, just a page or two earlier in your Bible, in chapter 8, you'll, you'll encounter the same phrase in verse 12. I'm going to read it. Um, listen to these words. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Powerful words. They're incredible words. But let's be honest, Jesus in his own words isn't sometimes super helpful. Like, what the heck is he saying, right? Ever felt that way when reading Jesus' words? There's about 2,000 years plus separating us. 2,000 years of history, 2,000 years of layers of culture that we don't always understand as easily. So it needs to be unpacked. Jesus finds himself in Jerusalem. It is the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles was a very special celebration to remember the exodus out of Egypt. This is when the people of Israel were led out of Egypt from under the oppressive hand of Pharaoh under the leadership of Moses by the grace of God from slavery to freedom. So they had a a tremendous feast. God used a pillar of fire to to guide them, to protect them in the night. So during this feast, you would see ginormous lampstands in the temple court. These were huge. They, they, They were not powered by Edison, but just raging fire. People would be dancing in the temple court. It would just be lit up perfectly bright. Not only that, these lampstands could be seen from miles away across the city. It was a feature of the Feast of Tabernacles. It is against this backdrop that Jesus says, I, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There are some people listening in. The Pharisees. The Pharisees, if you're not familiar with those guys, they are the religious leaders of the day. They are the authority on Scripture and all things Judaism. They begin to argue with Jesus. They don't like what he's saying. They begin to question his authority. And they kind of go back and forth. And after a little while... Jesus says, I'm done with you guys. And he goes out and says this, Before Abraham was, I am. We studied those words just two weeks ago. What he's doing there, he's using the very personal name of God to identify himself. That's audacious. Who would do such a thing? The Pharisees are upset, but Jesus just kind of walks away. It's like the ultimate mic drop moment. He's out. He goes about his day. He's got his crew with him, his disciples. 
They walk, and then they notice a blind man. He's sitting right there. The, the, the disciples, they ask Jesus, Jesus, who sinned? His parents, or, or who is responsible for that? They're simply revealing the common understanding of the day. Physical disability, deformities, would be attributed to, to sinful behavior on the part of someone. Someone goofed up to cause that. Jesus says no. He's very quick to debunk that myth. If you want to look at your Bible, I believe we start reading in verse 3 again. It says this, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Gives a very quick answer. Even within that answer, the last couple of verses, when he's talking about while I'm in the world and night is coming, he's anticipating his death. There will be a time when the light of the world will die and be buried in a tomb for three days. There will be a darkness that this world will have never experienced and never again as the Son of God will be laying there in the tomb for three days. But the light will not stay dead. And we know that. It's against this backdrop of chapter 8, these verses here, that Jesus walks over to that blind man. Do you see him? Sitting in his usual spot, living in darkness, Today is just like any other day. He hears a small group approaching. He heard the question about the sin thing. He's so tired of that. People talk about that all the time when they pass him by. I wonder who sinned. He's like, just forget it. It hurts him. Here's something about being light of the world. Doesn't totally get it. Jesus continues to draw near. And he hears someone kneeling in front of him. It's Jesus. Shuffling the dirt. And he spits. Not sure what that was all about. But what Jesus is doing, he spits and, he, and he, with his saliva makes a little bit of mud. And he places it on the blind man's eyes. And then he says these words. Go wash in the pool of Siloam and you will be healed. The blind man's like, whoa, what just happened? His heartbeat is starting to beat faster. He's excited, but to be honest, cautiously so. He's not sure if it's going to work, right? He doesn't want to get his hopes up, but he's excited. Like, what if it does work? My gosh, that could be incredible. So we quickly ask someone around him, guys, is there someone that could lead me to the pool of Siloam? Several people are all too eager to to lead him there. They want to see, is this legit? What's going to happen? We want to see. So it's only a short walk to the pool of Siloam. It's near near the temple. His heart's racing. He's fidgeting. He's nervous. 
He's really excited, but what if it doesn't work, right? He steps into the water. He knows people are watching him, but he doesn't care. It's, it's, It's quiet in his mind. He takes a deep breath, and he goes under. He washes his face, washes the mud off. He comes up, and light begins to flood his eyes. His eyes are open. For the first time, he sees the trees. He sees the reflection in the water. He sees the faces of those around him. He recognized their voices, but now he sees their faces for the very first time. He's jumping up and down. I can see. I can see. I've been healed. My eyes, I can see. This is an overwhelming moment. The best moment of his life. People are cheering. People are laughing. People are clapping. This is amazing. With this Man is experiencing in this moment. Put yourself on his sandals. What would that be like to experience that in the water? What would that feel like? I tried to take myself there and it was hard. The only thing I could think of was when my retina detached uh, this past November. My left eye, my retina detached, was a full detachment. And I went blind. I was already kind of quasi-blind in the left eye for the past couple months. And, but then it, it, it detached. And I could no longer see out of that eye. Went to the doctor. And I said to my doctor, Doctor, is it, is it possible that I would see again out of my left eye? He says, yeah, it's possible. And that's pretty good. Then I asked him another question. I said, Doctor, is it, is it probable that I would see again out of my left eye? He said, no. No, it's not. You may not regain sight out of that eye. It's not looking very good. At that moment... Piece of my heart just kind of cracked. No, I was still going to trust God in whatever path He was leading me on, and still do to this day. That was a hard moment, as you might imagine. Date for surgery came up. It's about a week later. It was a four-hour surgery. Typically, they take about an hour to reattach. There was a hot, sweaty mess in there, and the doctor pretty much—it's not looking good, man. He was not optimistic. The next day, went back. They take off the bandage. They take me to this other like little waiting room area. And I'm sitting there with my head down. Because I'm supposed to be face down for the week. That was fun. Um, <laughs> I'm sitting there. Jody's with me. and I said, Jody, I can see my hand. See my hand. That moment was an incredible moment. That gave me hope. It was a game changer. Not probable turned into possible. And then there was further hope than that. If I just 
multiply the gravity of, of the situation like a hundred times, if I could imagine just being blind from birth, never having seen a thing, and then all of a sudden I could see, I wouldn't be doing this. I'd be just jumping up and down. I'd be screaming just like that blind man. You would be too. You'd be running the hallways of the doctor's office. You'd be going nuts. That's what this guy's experiencing right now. Complete joy. He's got to go. He's, he's got to go tell his family. I've got to go tell my friends. So he goes back to where he's from, to, to his neighborhood. And then the neighbors see him running. They're like, oh my gosh, this guy's running. This is not safe. Um, and then, no, but I, he's, I can see, I can see. He's screaming. And the neighbors are like, oh, that's, that's not the blind, you know, blind Bob or whatever his name is. That's not his name, but that's not blind Bob. Others are like, no, that's him. That, that's, that's, that's him. Others are not so sure. It just looks like him. That, that is definitely not. How could that be? He was blind. Now he's running that's not him. Finally, the, the formerly blind Bob turns to his neighbors and says, No, it's me. I was blind. Now I see. Here, this is what he says to his neighbors. Look at verse 11 with me. He replied, verse 11, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. This is incredible. That the light of the world... He's a man called Jesus. A man called Jesus. That's all he really knows about Jesus at this point in his spiritual journey. That might be where you're at in your spiritual journey also. Jesus was a man. He lived 2,000 some odd years ago. Kind of got a bum deal. He was crucified. And that was the end of Jesus. He said some really good things, though, which is nice. Did some cool stuff, I bet. But at the end of the day, it's just a man. And it's okay that you're right there in your spiritual journey. That's totally good. But I think you'll find, as we dive into this story, that such a view just doesn't quite square up with the Jesus that we encounter in the New Testament, in this story in John. It's an inadequate representation of Jesus, the I Am. The story continues. The neighbors, they're excited. This is kind of cool. But they're confused. How, How does this happen? Going from blindness to seeing, like this, this doesn't happen every day. It's never happened. They've got questions. You know what? We'll take them to the Pharisees. Now, this was not an act of ill will. They they meant absolutely zero harm with this move to take this man to the Pharisees. They simply wanted to understand. This was clearly a miraculous sign, a, a miracle. Certainly that religious leaders, the Pharisees, would have some kind of explanation for this. They could help them understand what happened to, this, to their blind Bob. And so they took him to the Pharisees. They were all excited. But things kind of got off to a rocky start. 
They did. The Pharisees found out about something. He was healed on the Sabbath? We don't do that around here. You can't work on the Sabbath. Healing is working. No good. And the Pharisees are officially mad. They're agitated. Oh, they can't believe this. This is happening. Healed on the Sabbath. What did he do? Where, where is this guy that healed you? They asked. The blind guy says, or blind man. I don't know. I just don't know. Well, how, how did you receive your sight? What happened? What did he do? Becomes a little tense, guys. The blind man responds, well, he made mud. He put it on my eyes and now I see. He kind of catches himself because apparently this is not the moment to celebrate. So he kind of reins it in a little bit. Hmm. Pharisees are confused. Certainly, this act of disobedience can't be of God. We don't heal on the Sabbath. God doesn't do that. Others are like, yeah, but he got healed. Like, he sees now. That's, that's got to be a God thing. And they're divided. They're absolutely divided. They're confused. The interrogation must continue then. they got to find better answers. And um, look at verse 17. They turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. He must be a prophet. He's not just any man. He's got to be a prophet. That might be where you're at too. Recognizing Jesus as an incredible teacher. An incredible spokesman for God. Which was the function of a prophet in the Old Testament. A spokesman for God. Carry God's word. And that's, Jesus did that. Really, really well. Amazing teaching. We should hear it. We should listen to it. And we should live it out. And this world would be such a better place. And, and you're right about that. It would be a better place. But Jesus is not content to be a prophet among many. He is the prophet. The Messiah overall. And there is a huge difference. And our blind man, he's not there yet. He doesn't understand that yet, and that's okay. And if you're not there yet either, that's okay too. The story continues. We want to talk to your mom and dad. Can you get your mom and dad? Mom and dad? So they bring in his parents. Parents are pretty stoked. I mean, their son is seeing. Like, this is awesome. But they walk into the room, and they kind of notice, like, this does not look like a party. So they kind of play cool. Trying to kind of read the situation. The Pharisees are quick to ask, start asking questions. Hey, is this your son? Was he really born blind? And seriously, how did he get healed? This doesn't make any sense. Ooh, 
we've got some angry Pharisees here. Um, you know, mom and dad look at each other. They're a little nervous. Um, they're scared. They become very scared. Why? Because it's the religious leaders. Everything in life connected back to religion, Judaism, the synagogue. And oh boy, if you tick off those Pharisees, they might just kick you out of the synagogue. Cut you off economically, socially, spiritually. Your life would be over. It would be a hot, sweaty mess. And they had no interest in going down that road. So this is what they said. Is this our son? Yes, he is. Those other questions, why don't you ask him? He's of age. He's an adult. Ask him your questions. He can answer for himself. Could you imagine? You're the, you're the blind person. You look on. You're like, Mom, Dad. Did you really just do that? You look at your dad and, and you know that he's, he's, he's trying to avoid eye contact. It's that kind of situation. This is a situation of pain, of rejection. This is ugly. But you know what? The parents were right. They were right. The Pharisees, as the text explains, had already made it up, made up in their mind that anyone who would proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah would be kicked out of the synagogue. They had already made up their mind that that's what was going to happen. So they were right. But they responded in a completely wrong way. They turned their back. They chose self-preservation. They chose rejecting their son. So then the Pharisees, they focused their attention again on the formerly blind man, the healed man. And they say this, we know this man is a sinner because we're the Pharisees. We know everything. We know this man is a sinner What have you to say about him? Blind man kind of scratches his head and says, Guys, honestly, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. I mean, you guys can debate that. You guys figured that out. You're the Pharisees. This is what I know. I was blind, and now I see. Okay? Well, tell us then, how did he make your eyes well? How did he heal your eyes? Is this, tell us. Okay. Our blind man is ready to turn on the sass. He says, guys, are you serious? Are you going to ask me that same question again? He literally says this. It's in your Bible. He says, I have already told you. Why do you want to hear it again? Then he turns up the sass meter a little bit more. And he says this question. Do you want to become his disciples too? The Pharisees go, uh-uh. Oh, no, you didn't. No, no. Uh-uh. No, 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 you didn't. And they basically begin scolding this man. They burn with anger towards this man. They insult him. 
They question his character. And it's going to unload. And they say, you, you're obviously this man's disciple. But we, the Pharisees, we follow Moses. We know that Moses heard from God. And we don't know where this Jesus character comes from. We know where Moses comes from. The man, the, the, the healed man says, Wait. Did, did you just say that you don't know where he comes from? You don't know where he comes from? When's the last time you heard of a blind man getting his sight back? Where do you think he comes from? This has never happened before. And then he says this. Look at it with me. In verse 33, in this moment of just intensity, he boldly says this, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. The wheels are beginning to turn. The lights are beginning to come on. He is not just a man called Jesus. He's not just a prophet. He is directly from God. He must come straight from God. Or otherwise this would not have happened. The blind man thinks to himself. The light of the world. He's got to be from God. He's never even seen Jesus at this point. Do you think he has some questions about Jesus? Yes, I'm sure he has all kinds of questions about who Jesus is, what he's all about. You might too. You may have some questions in your own mind as you journey along in your spiritual journey. But what we found to be the case, and many people in this room can attest to that, if you seek after truth, if you seek after Jesus, you will find him. When you pursue truth, when you pursue Jesus, Jesus shows up every time. If you take a step of faith and to place your faith in Christ, to follow him for the very first time, or if you're already a Christ follower, to follow him in obedience in some area of your life, Jesus will be there. It may not be easy. It may be very challenging, in fact, to follow him for the first time or just follow him in an area of obedience in your life. But Jesus will show up. This is what happens. Verse 34. This is the Pharisees. To this they replied, You are steeped in sin at birth. They're making that sin blindness connection. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. They threw him out of the synagogue. They they did exactly what they were planning on doing. What a day. You get healed in the morning. Super awesome. Then you get interrogated, barraged with questions. Your character questions, the questions. And then your parents turn their back on you. And then you get thrown out of the synagogue yourself. Your, your future is very, very uncertain at this point. What are you going to do? 
What an emotional roller coaster. This guy is a wreck right now. What's he going to do? Well, this is what happens. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him. Isn't that cool? Do you see that? And when he found him. Jesus found him. I love it. Every time, Jesus will be there. Jesus shows up. He's never late. Always on time. Rarely early. But I love it. He shows up. What an act of compassion. What an act of love to encounter this man right where he's at. He says... Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he had found him, he said, Do you believe? Do you believe in the Son of Man? Which is a title John uses to um, identify Jesus as the revelation of God to man. The same synonymous with Son of God, Messiah, the Christ. Do you believe that I, that, that, do you believe in the Son of God? He responds, Who is he, sir? Who, who is he? Tell me so that I may believe in him. He's not asking for more information. He's asking for an identity. Who is it? Tell tell me who, who is it and I'm ready to respond in faith. And then this happened, verse 37. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. I'm right here. I'm right here, the son of God. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped. He literally, the word means, fell down, got down, bowed down before Jesus. What a beautiful picture that is. Jesus, he recognizes, the light has come on. Jesus is not just a man. He's not just a prophet. He's not just you know, directly from God. He is God. He is the Christ. He is the great I am, the Messiah. And he's ready to give his life over to this Messiah. And that's exactly what happens. A commentator put it this way. The greatest miracle in this chapter is not the opening of a man's eyes, but the opening of a man's heart to the Savior. It cost him everything to confess Jesus as the Son of God, but he was willing to do it. The story beckons a response, doesn't it? What kind of response is Jesus looking for? Look with me again at uh, chapter 8, verse 12. I think it's very clear. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is challenging you to follow him. What that looks like is we, we like to use the ABCs around here. Because the, uh, the so what of this passage is this. It's not until you recognize Jesus as the Son of God that He will be the light of your life. So these ABCs, let me tell you about them. First, start with A, admit. To admit that you are a sinner. which includes every single person in this room, that you are a sinner, you've done things your own way, and you like it that way. 
But you're ready to turn to God and say, that's not, that's not right. I confess my sin. I admit it. You believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. He died in your place. You deserve to die for your sin, but he died in your place because he loved you. And he wants you to follow him. Choose, see, choose to follow so that he will be the light of your life, that you might never walk in darkness. Those soul-level questions, not surfacy, soul-level questions of who am I, where am I going, what's the meaning of this, questions of purpose, will not be answered any other way but through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. There is no other person, no other God that can answer those questions for you. He is it. And he's asking you to respond because he loves you. He wants you. He does not want you to be lost in darkness, to be blind no more, to flood your spiritual eyes with light. If you're already a Christ follower, the chapter goes on and there's a challenge for you there. And hopefully you have time to unpack that in your home group. Jesus' challenge to Christ followers is this. Do not, or be very aware of of the danger that your religion can blind you to the light of Christ in your life. Our religiosity, the things we do, the things we're all involved in, can blind us to the light of Christ in our life. That's a, that's a challenge that I encourage you to wrestle with. It's a challenge I wrestle with. To make sure that my heart is soft, not hard like those Pharisees. Would you pray with me? If you're ready to respond in faith to, to Christ's offer of salvation, of forgiveness, would you pray with me uh, just quietly in your own heart? And just affirm these truths as as I pray them. Father, I, I admit that I am a sinner. I am broken. I need you. I've done things my own way. I confess my own need of you. I believe that you died for my sin on the cross. I believe that you died... In my place. But I believe you rose again after three days. Proving. That you conquered sin and death. I choose to follow you. I choose to follow you that you might be the light of my life. Dispelling the darkness. Lord Jesus come into my life. I want to follow. Let's do this. Father we thank you. For this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the incredible stories. And right now, we want to proclaim you as a church, as a congregation, with boldness, with excitement, that Jesus, you are the Son of God. You are the light of the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.